Good morning, New Life Manitou. Can we please stand for the reading of the scripture for today's message? In Acts 2, 42 through 47, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, shared meals, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And in Luke 14, 12 through 14, it says, Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you remain standing as we pray, Lord? You have given to us so much. You have created us and given us life and hope and peace. And Lord, as we've been given, so too, Lord, we want to give so that when people see us, New Life Manitou, they will see glimpses of how good you are, how kind you are, how merciful you are. And Lord, we pray this in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all of God's people shouted, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks for coming this morning. We are on a series, sermon series called Grow. It's how we are growing up as the people of God individually and together. And today we are going to talk about specifically hospitality. We're going to talk about hospitality. I remember uh, years ago, and this would be 2004, I was a part of the college ministry as one of the pastors, and we had a trip planned for 10, uh, it was an all-guys trip, uh, 10 of us signed up for this thing to go to Pakistan, and Pakistan at that time, and maybe still now as well, is in the news, it's not a very safe place for Christians, and uh, five of the 10 were uh, Air Force Academy cadets, and a month before we left, some things happened in the news, and the Air Force Academy were released a statement and said, Pakistan is too dangerous. No cadets could go to these countries. Pakistan was one of them. Uh, So sorry, you can't go on this trip. And so they couldn't go. And so it ended up being a trip of just five of us. And we had to prayerfully continue. Are we still going to go? And and we we thought about it and prayed through and contacted the missionary contacts and the people we were going to be with. And and all signs just pointed to, yeah, let's continue to go. Let's go on this trip. And so we went and we saw the ISIS, the black ISIS flags. We saw places that we just should not go like this is known uh, Taliban area and and it was a little scary and what I experienced there just in the midst of that it just situations of like oh this is just a scary time this is a scary place here what I experienced in like the the opposite of that was Christians going out of their way to welcome us in I thought because the the culture was standoffish that that Christians would be as well but it was the complete opposite people would welcome 
welcome us into their homes. They would feed us again and again, and we'd have like two or three lunches every single day. People were always inviting us in. The last day of the trip, we, uh, the, the, the guy we were with, our missionary contact, had to go to another city for a meeting, and we had an early morning flight. So he called up a Christian. He didn't even know this guy, but he called him up and said, I have, I have a team of five guys. Can they stay with you because your house is close to the to the airport, and he said, of course, I'd be offended if they didn't. And so we, we don't know this person, the, the guy that made the call, he didn't know this person, but knew of this person, and just welcomed us in, and fed us, and comforted us, and here we were in need of some place to go for a little while before our flight, and they took us in, and I, I finally got to asking this question, it's like, why in the world are the Christians here in Pakistan so hospitable? And his answer was like, well, we're not in Kansas anymore. This We are hospitable to each other for survival. Survival. Like we have to stick together or we will not survive. And, he, and he, he went one step further. He said, and we have to be extremely hospitable to the Muslims around us, our friends, our neighbors who are Muslim. We have to be hospitable. We have to show how good and kind our Lord is. And when they see that, when we would invite them into our homes and share meals with them and share life with them, then they realize that oh, maybe some of the rumors and things that they've heard about Christians are not true, but these are good holy people who welcome others in. So we're going to talk about hospitality today. This is part of the Grow series. Hospitality is a discipline we can engage in to grow. If we engage in these things, we will grow. We're going to talk about that this week, one more week of, of, of this Grow sermon series, and then two weeks away, we will start our sermon series. I'm excited to announce the sermon series on the book of Romans that will lead us into the fall. So hospitality. What is hospitality? What comes to mind? Yell something out. What's, what's hospitality? Eating. Eating food together. Yeah, what else? <laughs> Fellowship. What else? Anybody? <laughs> Serving potlucks, enjoying each other's company. Here's the definition I have. Um, friendly and generous reception and care of guests, visitors or strangers. When I say the word hospitality around new life, uh, our janitor staff is called hospitality. I looked up uh, why we call it that. I, I talked to some people and said, so we don't call them janitors. And I found out this week that, um, that, that a female janitor is a janitress. Did you know this? It's like a real word. I found that out this week. Uh, but we don't use those terms. We call the custodians, the janitors at New Life North. We have a very big building in the New Life North and then therefore a very big uh, team of hospitality uh, team members. We call them hospitality because as as they're cleaning the floors, the bathrooms, resetting the rooms, organizing the chairs, setting up things, we want them to know first and foremost that they are not just janitors or custodians. They are hospitality team members. They are welcoming people in. They're making the space beautiful to invite people in. And most importantly, they are often the very first people visitors see. When someone visits New Life and they come in, uh, all our hospitality team, they have t-shirts on with the, the name badge. It says New Life Church Hospitality. And, and people People come up to them and say, hey, where, where's, this, where's this room? Where's 107? I'm trying to find this, this Bible study that I've been invited to. And all the hospitality team know because their title, 
Their very title is hospitality, that they, if you're, you're vacuuming the floor, stop vacuuming the floor. Your role is actually hospitality. Take this person and bring them to where they're going to go. Engage with them. This is the hospitality that we as Christians should be all about. We've read this passage, Acts 2.42, quite a few times over the course of this sermon series. And it says that they devoted themselves to four things, to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Two of those four things have everything to do with hospitality. It's a big picture of what God is doing here to give his people, the people on earth, the believers in him, hospitality, the gifts of hospitality to invite people in, and then the church grows like crazy. So if you look at Acts 2.42 and and read down to Acts 2.47, it says, the Lord added number to their daily, those who were being saved. Flip a few more pages in the book of Acts and you're at Acts 6.7. It says the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, a large number of priests, a Jewish priest came obedient to the faith, flip a few more pages and we we see another, like these statements of the church just blowing up, 931, then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. A couple more pages, Acts 12, 24, the word of God continued to spread and flourish. Acts 16, 5, the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in their numbers. And Acts 19, 20, in this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. There's a book, a church history book called the triumph of Christianity, it traces the growth of the church is by a guy named Rodney Stark from a Christian university, Baylor. And he said around 40 AD, somewhere around there after Jesus had died and the very first church was around, he guesses, and it's a very conservative guess, that there was maybe a thousand Christians. 300 years later, 350 AD, there are in the Roman Empire 32 million Christians. What's 32 million? Well, that's the population of the great state of Texas and the population of all of Los Angeles and the population of Denver is around 32 million people. That's in 300 years. The church grew like crazy. I'm not a church, uh, I'm not a, uh, a historian, but I don't know of anything that has grown like that in the history of the earth. And this is back in the day when there was no internet. There was back in the day when Christians did not gather in masses and big groups because that would be a target against the Roman Empire before they legalized Christianity. They met in homes and they showed hospitality and the church grew like crazy. Here's all these lists of homes in the book of Acts. We see the, the, the early Christians met in the upper room. What was an up, what was it an upper room of? Some car dealership? No, it was, it was a home, the upper room of a house. They met in a home. Uh, they talk about a house of a man on Straight Street. They talk about Simon the Tanner's house. Acts chapter 10, it mentions Cornelius the centurion's house, Mary the mother of John Mark's house, Lydia's house, this jailer's house that Peter goes into, Priscilla and Aquila's house, so on and so forth. We have people meeting in homes, showing hospitality, and that's how this great Christian revival happens in the first centuries. Homes are very important. Hospitality is very important. I was um, 
As I said, I was the, one of the pastors for the college ministry at New Life North for years and years. And what we realized uh, at some point uh, during the course of this college ministry, we had it on Friday nights, was that in some ways the college students, the young adults, were, were very like contained amongst themselves and they weren't really engaging in the life of the church. Uh, there, was, there was lots of college students that just called Friday night their church service and it was like they entered into their little holy huddle uh, of, of church and they didn't really spread out beyond that. And we kind of thought, saw that as a problem. Like, well, we need the college students. Shouldn't they be helping in the children's ministry? Shouldn't, shouldn't there be mentors in this relationship amongst the church with all these young people? So we started, we, we thought, let's get uh, some couples who are married and are a little older and a little wiser and have homes to invite college students in. We, we contacted some of them. The Woods, Susan Wood in the very back there, her, her husband, Dan Wood, were one of these people that came to the mill when they could and opened up their home. And when you say free food to a bunch of college students, they come. And so meals were, were made and stories and lives were shared. And still to this day, I look back and, and, and know of people who became Christians at people's homes during this time when we had this, like, let's have these small groups in people's homes and let's have a meal together and share our lives and share our stories. And we enjoyed that so much, this mixing of intergenerational that, that it flash forward a few years later, New Life uh, Friday night came out of the mill. Uh, the, the college it was a college service only. Then we said, let's have this service for everyone because we see the value in uh, old and young being together and shared lives. And then what we did was we moved uh, the college ministry to a Sunday time so that people could go to Sunday school, then church. That's just a little history about where I've come as, as a pastor. But let's talk about hospitality with the intention of care. This is the next sermon point here. Hospitality with the intention of care. You see, we live in America, and uh, it's a great society, it's a good culture, and when we as Americans talk about, just kind of secular, uh, non-Christians, just Americans talk about uh, hospitality and, and dinners and people's homes, usually the word that's used is entertaining. I'm going to entertain some guests. And that's great. You bring people in, you, you show them how your house is nice, you pr present them with a nice meal, you try to impress them. Girls, you look on Pinterest at all the recipes and things to de make decorations. Guys, if you have a Pinterest account, don't admit that. Um, <laughs> but that's just what we do. That's, it's kind of a part of our culture. And I, I see it as a, as a good thing, bringing people in, but, but, but it kind of ends there. Like the, the goal of uh, a secular American having a dinner party would be to impress their guests. And it kind of ends with that. Like, I want to impress these people. I want to bring people uh, like my boss in or uh, people in, in politics. And I want to get people in and I want to impress them and, and build some relationships to, to further careers or social ladders. And this was, was, was going on. It's always been going on. It's just a part of us as humans. Jesus addresses this in a parable. And he says, when you go to someone's house, there's going to be like this, this, some sort of assigned seating back then where there was like the head of the table and different people uh, sat closer to the head, depending on how more honorable they were. It was like something was going on in that, in that time frame. You know, we have our own things today, but, the, but they, it's like the most honored guest sits at the head. And then from there, I guess you sat closer 
to this most honored guest if how important you thought you were. And Jesus says, forget all that. When you go to a party like this, you take the lowest possible seat. And if someone says, hey, come sit a little closer, well, then you can do that. But when you go and you show up, just take that lowest seat. And he tells a, a parable that we read, Susan read for us. It says, when you host a dinner or a banquet, don't invite your rich neighbors or people that can pay you back, but instead invite, and he says, the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the kingdom of heaven. That is what we as Christians are called to. When we uh, think through this word hospitality, uh, we think through bringing people over into our homes. We think of, uh, and it doesn't have to be in your home. You could be you know, buying a meal for someone, going out after church, taking care of people, sharing life, sharing a meal. And it's not about this social ladder that you're trying to climb. It's truly about living life together and about taking care of one another. I think about cooking in our culture. There's all these cooking shows. People, you guys watch cooking shows, especially like the game show ones where there's like a, you make this meal and then the chefs go running out and they're grabbing ingredients and elbowing each other and, and putting it all together as fast as they can and burning things and running around and screaming and it's stressful. And then they present their dish to a panel of judges and the panel of judges are so unimpressed. They're like, oh, you call yourself a chef. This special sauce is not special. This is too salty. This meat, oh, it's overdone. How dare you present this to me? Get out of this. Get out of, get out of here. And we watch these shows, and it's entertaining, but that's not the real world. If you are invited into someone's house, and they present you with a meal, what do you do? You eat it and you smile. I think about mission trips that I have been on and, and thinking through the, the meals. I was invited, me and uh, two other guys, we went on a mission trip uh, to China and this, that we met this family and they invited us in and they could speak a little English and they just wanted to invite us in. Uh, and they weren't even Christians. They were just, uh, they, they knew us as Americans and were impressed that we were visiting their country. And they invited us in and there's like 50 kids or something that they had and a dirt floor and like 200 square feet and they presented to us this meal that I'm sure cost them way too much money. They, they, who knows how many days of wages they spent getting a goat and they had goat stew and in this pot was a, the skull of a goat and I was uh, my little bowl of, of, of soup and I saw a piece of meat and the piece of meat had the goat skin on it and I could tell because there was still hair on the goat skin and what did I do? I ate it. I ate every drop and I thanked them because that they were showing to us hospitality. And that's just what you do. You, you return. You thank them for that. I think I've told this story before. Uh, I was in Tibet and I was sitting on a bus next to a, a guy who was a shepherd and he pulled out of his pocket uh, a string of cheese balls that had no wrapper or anything, just this dirty little pocket. And he gave me one. And what did I do? I ate it and I thanked him for it. I think of, uh, I was in Peru and in Peru they eat raw fish they, and they squirt lemon juice on it. Do you know what the name of it is? Ceviche? I, ceviche? I've heard of it, yeah. Ceviche and, and so... We were a team, me and Evan Martin, he's another, he was a pastor at New Life and he's planted a church in Denver. Me and him were invited into this home and it was, it was, a, it was a humble, uh, a kind of a poor little house. They didn't have refrigerators, but they had some fish lying out. <laughs> 
and the fish did not smell too good, and they're cutting it up and squirting lemon juice on it and saying that the lemon juice is going to cook it. And I thought, I don't know what your definition of cooking is, but lemon juice does not cook anything by itself. And then they gave us raw fish to eat, and it smelled funny, and we prayed, Lord, bless this food to our bodies. We pray, Lord, in your name, and we ate it, and we did not get sick, and I was just, thank you, Lord, that this, this hospitality, here's this family presenting to us the best that they had, and for us, like, it was like, oh, that's, that's bad fish, it hasn't been refrigerated, but for them, it was the best they had, and they brought us in this Christ, Christian family, and, and they, they were trying to give us a great lunch, and we ate it, and we were full, and we did not get sick. And I was just so impressed with, with Christians all over the world. They, they practice hospitality. I think about the very first time I went to a Protestant youth group in high school. It was on Wednesday nights. It was called Destiny. And some people invited me, and I went. I was thinking, like, a church on a Wednesday. Why so many uh, people were excited about it, and they invited me into it. And I went, and I expected just kind of the normal kind of high school shenanigans where you walk in, and there's little groups, these cliques talking to each other. And I'll go in and just kind of hang out in the back and kind of sit there and be lonely and, and, and just kind of watch and observe what happens. But instead, these Christians... Like some of them remember, remembered my name from school. Hey, it's Joe, come sit with us. And I was just like, wow, okay. Why, why? In my head, I was like, why are you being so nice to me? It's, this is weird. Like, like it was just Christians being Christians and being hospitable. But I kept coming back and then they invited me to a, a winter retreat and I kept thinking, why do they want me to go on this retreat? In my head was really this thought, like they're, they're gonna like long con me and like, like I'm gonna wake up at this winter retreat with stitches and missing my kidney or something. They're just like being so nice, but that's just how Christians are. And hopefully if you're new to New Life Manitou, you came in and and hopefully people welcomed you and said, you sure you can sit here? If they didn't, then let me know and we'll kick those grumpy people out. But <laughs> hospitality is what we are all about. It is one of the, the marks of a church. It is intentionally and continually extending to what other people just extend to family and friends, but we extend it to even strangers. Here's a nerd alert for the day, which is takes us back to uh, church history, and you kind of have to pay attention for, for the, the couple of the names here that I'm going to mention, but this is a primary source. So going back to like the 360s AD, there was an emperor, his name was Emperor Julian, and he was not a Christian. There was some Christian emperors before him, it would be lots of Christian emperors after him, but he was someone that wanted to restore the old ancient Greek and Roman religions to the empire. The, the Greek religion, the Roman religions of Zeus and Aphrodite and Artemis and, and all these Greek God, Greek and Roman gods. He wanted to bring that back. And he says, we have a, a primary source. We have a, a, a document, a letter that Julian wrote to one of the Roman Greek gods, uh, one of the priests of a Roman and Greek god uh, in Galatia. And he says something like this. He says, the religion of the Greeks does not yet prosper as I wish it would. So he's hoping that, that the Roman and Greek religions will, will start back up. And he says this. He says, observe the kindness of the Christians to strangers. 
So he's mad at the Christians because Christianity is growing like wildfire. And he says, here's what they're doing. They're taking care of the burial of their dead and the sobriety of their lifestyle uh, has done the most to advance their cause. And he goes on to say they're even taking care of strangers. And so he has a plan. He says, here's what we need to do. We, the, the, the Roman government, we need to set up hostels, one in each city, in order that strangers may enjoy my kindness. So this is Julian saying, I'm the emperor here. They need to enjoy my kindness so that they can see how great the, the Roman Empire is and go back to these Roman and Greek gods. That's his idea. He says, not only uh, to, to, so that these strangers might enjoy my kindness, not only uh, people who are of the faith of the Roman and, and Greek gods, but also whosoever is in want of money. And he says, I devised a plan by which you'll be able to get supplies, for I've ordered that every year throughout Galatia, in each city, 30,000 modi of grain. And I looked that up, and it's literally tons and tons of grain. And 60,000 pints of wine shall be provided. So he's like, basically, we're going to do this big thing where we provide places for people to live in the name of the Roman and Greek gods. And we're going to give them a bunch of uh, stuff to make food, the bread, the grain. And we're going to give them a bunch of alcohol and see what happens. And he, he says, for it's disgraceful that these Christians support their own poor as well as those that aren't. So here's these Christians in Julian's mind. Like, look at how bad these Christians are. They're taking care of people who are their own and not their own. And that's why they're growing. Like, this is the man who's the most powerful man in the world at this time. The emperor of Rome. And he's concerned with the kindness of Christians. Like, that's the threat. The empire's going to fall. These Christians are being so nice. It's like, well, yeah, that's, that's what we do. You really can't stop that. That's, that's who we are. And it is very powerful for a Roman empire, emperor to take notice of that, the power of the Christian hospitality to grow the church and to grow individually is wonderful. So I am going to start encouraging us um, to have meals with one another. Sometimes people will ask, since New Life Manitou is a new church, uh, we're five months old, uh, just about going weekly. People, are, in, in a good way, are like, so what's next, Pastor Joe? Like, okay, without vision, the people perish. There's the verse that says that in Proverbs. So so kind of what's next? You know, we, you know here, we're in a building now. We're meeting weekly now. And we've had great memories and along the way. So what's next? Well, for the fall, and I've already been announcing this to our leaders, and we've been in discussion about it. For the fall, we are going to start dinner groups. We're going to start meal groups. We're going to start encouraging all of us to have people over to our homes or have people over to places where a meal can be shared. And I'm calling you to meet, eat, and pray. Meet, eat, and pray. Easy stuff. Meet with one another, eat a meal together, and at some point pray. You could pray over the meal. Those three things show hospitality, care for one another, and the world around us will be changed. I was just thinking, like, what if uh, some, some, some non-Christian you know, people in Manitou are talking, and they're like, hey, I just went over to somebody's house from New Life Manitou. And they're like, really? Like, I went over to somebody else's house from New Life Manitou. This is so cool. What a welcoming group of people. What a group of people that take seriously living life together and sharing a meal and sharing life together. It's not just something I'm asking you to do out of the blue. Romans 12, 13 says this. It's a command. It says, Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Matthew 5.16 in the message version says this. It's a wonderful verse. I'm going to end up reading it a couple times so we could, we could dial into it. But, but it says, keep an open house. 
Be generous with your lives by opening up to others. Listen to this. So if you open up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. So what are we supposed to do? What's, what's our command? Well, to keep an open house. And, and I know that being a, a young adults pastor for a while, uh, I, w- I would say, like, oh, pe- invite people in your homes. And for them, it's like, what a home are you? Like, my dorm? I'm just renting a room. And it's like, well, okay, forget the home thing, but invite them into your life. Invite them into your circles. Same thing. Keep an open house is what Matthew 5, 16 says. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. I want to say this last point here. I've worded it as this. I've said hospitality as the gospel. And this is how I'll close here today. That the good news, that that's what the, the word gospel in Greek, it's epigelion, and it means the good news. Like I have something to share, some awesome news for you. It's the gospel. Do you know what it is? Well, that Jesus, God himself, became one of us. He came into our world, and he gave, and he gave, and he gave, and then he gave his own life. And this is very close to the heart of God to come and to give so that when he welcomed us in as strangers, when he came to earth, which he created for us, he came to that which was his own. And, and it says in the book of John, it says his own did not receive him. But to those who do, that do receive him, he will give the right to become children, sons and daughters of God that we might be put on display so as we give and as we are hospitable to others, people will see God through that. Heaven is often shown in, in, the, in the New Testament, this image of uh, a meal being shared together and, and the feast and the kingdom of heaven. It's also pictured as uh, Jesus says, in my Father's house are many Rooms and I'm prepare. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. So this image of heaven is an image of a home and being welcomed in. And Jesus says this. I'll leave us with this. It's a wonderful passage where Jesus is saying, at the end of the age, he will come and he will appear and he will talk with people. And he says something like this. He says, "For when I was hungry." You gave me something to eat. This is Jesus talking. He was hungry and we gave him something to eat. He says, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the rest of that parable goes on to say those people are are dumbfounded. When, Lord? When did we see you uh, in need? When were you sick, Lord? And and when did we come for you? And he says, well, whenever you took care of someone that was in need, you were taking care of me. Would you bow your heads this morning and, and quiet your heart as we reflect on this? Lord, we say to you, that, that you are the one who gives. Lord, we are, we are in your kingdom and we have received from you because you have given to us. Lord, you shared meals with your disciples and, and the people you lived and walked with. And Lord, you are so good. And your goodness is seen, Lord, when, when we take after your example and we give to others, when we share life with one another. Lord, you are so good and you are so kind to us. You are merciful to us. And Lord, would we ask that we would boldly be used by you, Lord, and for your name, for your kingdom to come in manner to you as it is in heaven. 
Lord, would you use us as your servants? Lord, we are, we are willing. We, we want to be like you and serve those who are in need, serve those and live life with the people around us. Lord, we pray this in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to prepare for communion. We're going to read this prayer, and, and I hope and, and um, that it's not just something we read together once a Sunday, but it's something we say together as, as a conviction. It's something we pray together, and we truly mean it. Would you join with me? Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought and word and deed by what we have done and what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we might delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name, amen.